Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Full Throttle for Monday, the 9th of March, 2020. Greg Haynes with you. And what a situation we have at the moment, not just in the World Superbike Championship, but in life in general, with the global outbreak of the coronavirus, restrictions aplenty all over the world. And it has meant from a World Superbike point of view that the Qatar round, which should have taken place this weekend, live on Eurosport and indeed on the Eurosport player, has been not cancelled, but postponed due to restrictions heading into the country. A Dawner press release went out just after the Australian round last week, and it did make a point of stating that Italian participation in the championship is absolutely crucial. And with all of the Pirelli staff having gone back to Italy and members of Ducati and other areas of the paddock, it just means that everybody coming in from Italy in particular would have been placed straight into quarantine in Qatar for two weeks. And then, of course, it would have defeated the object anyway. The round would not have been able to take place. There is a school of thought that perhaps, perhaps, People could have been held in either Australia or gone straight to Qatar from Australia as opposed to going home. And maybe the round could have got underway. But of course, it's not quite as easy as that. There's so many things to take into account. We've seen that last weekend's MotoGP Premier Class race did not happen. Again, because many people would have had to come in from Italy and would have been held in quarantine. So we saw the Moto2 and Moto3 GPs taking place. And it's been a very long time since we saw the intermediate class and the lightweight classes taking part in a race event and not the premier class. It has happened before. In fact, it used to be quite normal back in the day that you'd have different categories of Grand Prix racing competing on different weekends, but it hasn't happened for a very long time, of course, due to the great structure that's now been put in place by Dorna, the championship organizers, to have Moto3, Moto2, and MotoGP on one full action-packed weekend. So what's going to happen next? That's the big question. I've been speaking with various people over the last few days, whether it's from the MotoGP paddock, the World Superbike paddock, from the circuits. And really, the general feeling I have to say is I think the feeling we all have at the moment, nobody really knows. We know that the Qatar round has been postponed for potentially the end of the season, but that's not been confirmed either. It might be cancelled. We like to think it will go ahead, and I think it will go ahead later on in the season. That's what you'd expect. And quite possibly that'll be tagged onto the end of the season with the fact that the Argentinian round is happening two or three weeks earlier this year to end the World Superbike season than we finished last year in Qatar. It does mean, of course, 
to all intents and purposes, Qatar could be put on its original date, as it were, and happen at the end of the season. There's a wild rumour going around in the Italian press at the moment that Dorna might even be able to stage the MotoGP race that should have happened this weekend just gone on the same weekend as the Superbike racing. I have to say, I think there's a lot of complications and I don't know whether that would happen because you'd have different tyre manufacturers involved, different sponsors involved in those championships. The way the television production is done is all very different. It's certainly not impossible. And the fact you've got one company running both championships, you'd like to think would make it easier. But I just don't know personally if that could happen. Maybe I'll end up eating my words on that one. I don't know. But I personally can't see the MotoGP race happening for the reasons explained and others on the same weekend as the Superbikes. But we'll see, won't we, later in the year. Talking to the people at the circuit in Jerez, they haven't been informed of anything. The general feeling is they are preparing, as usual, to go ahead with their round, which would open the European season and be round two of the World Superbike Championship this year. If further restrictions are put in place, who knows how much longer this could go on. What I do know is that Dorna will push very hard indeed to make sure these events happen. It's not in anybody's interests from a commercial point of view to be cancelling MotoGP races, to be cancelling World Superbike races. There are sponsor commitments there. There are contracts with teams. There are contracts with teams and their riders and all the various other people working in the industry. So let's see. Let's see what happens in the next few weeks. But what a mess it is at the moment. I suppose at least the good news is we did get around in Australia a couple of weeks ago. And what a start to the season that was. Plenty of delight, plenty of disappointment as well. And perhaps one of the biggest disappointments for the team was the 10 Carter racing team with their Yamaha and Loris Baz. They led in stunning fashion race two on the Sunday afternoon. They were definitely in contention for a podium. They were definitely in contention for the race win. Whether it would have happened, we'll never know now. But two unbelievable saves for Loris Baz forced off the track on the exit of the Stoner Corner. And believe me, you do not want to go off on the exit of the Stoner Corner. Not once, but twice. The second we have heard was due to, would you believe it, Toprak Razgatioglu's Yamaha running out of fuel. It was not a technical problem. It was not an engine failure. There was a miscalculation in the fueling process. Not enough fuel went in. And the Turk, who was, of course, at that point, the championship leader, ran out of fuel. So his bike didn't come to a dead stop, but slowed up dramatically in the middle of Stoner Corner. Loris Baz had to evacuate onto the grass. And for the second time in that race, he was across the grass and still managed to save it and fight back to a solid top 10 finish. I've caught up with Loris Baz. Let's see what Loris had to make of the whole weekend. And hopefully, fingers crossed for everybody, we will be racing in Jerez in a few weeks' time. But here's what Loris Baz had to say after a really strong start to the season for the Frenchman and the 10 Carter team. Loris, thank you for joining us. First of all, what a strange situation we have at the moment with this coronavirus scenario and nobody really knows what's going to happen next. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's a strange situation, as you said, but um, yeah, not only for the, um, for the sport or the racing or this kind of thing, but only, uh, also for the big companies and the small companies. Uh, like everything seems in danger now. And uh, I have the feeling that... The, it makes more damage at the moment on the companies and the business than really the damage it made it make on the person itself. But then, yeah, I don't know. Like I like what what Jurgen Klopp said, and he said uh, we must ask the right thing to the right person. And I don't think I'm really uh, the right person for that. But for sure, it's a strange <laughs> thing. 
it's a it's a strange thing like we don't know when we're gonna race next and that make the 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 world seems really strange yeah, I can't really remember a situation like this before when we've known that the next round is cancelled and we don't exactly know when the following one is going to be. But the plan is that we're going to be in Hereth. Of course, our first round was in Australia and we knew Ten Carter was going to be strong because you look really good in pre-season testing. You qualified seventh, you finished seventh twice, eighth once. First of all, though, Loris, tell us about those two saves coming out of Stoner Corner when you went off onto the grass. The first one, you still made the apex. The second one, of course, is when Toprak had his issue, but that must have been very scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a funny race too. Uh, honestly, I was really disappointed after race one uh, at the big, uh, big moment with Alex on uh, at the end of the straight, and I yeah. finished seven. And I, honestly, seven is not where we should have been this in this run. So I really wanted to make a strong race too. But um, yeah, Johnny was um, had his strategy really planned, and he, he just wanted to set a really, really slow pace. And that made um, the group bigger and bigger. And I was more in danger than anyone because our weakest point at the moment is the straight line and every, every lap some people were was overtaking. So I, stand, I, I changed a little bit the strategy and I said, okay, I go in front, I try to pull the uh, pull a base and try to make the group smaller. And it's what I did. But yeah, Johnny always managed to overtake me back on the straight. And I was really strong down the stoner corner onto on that corner and the same lucky ace uh, onto the next one. So, yeah, on, on the first one, I really wanted to overtake, uh, I think it was Michael in front, so I went by the outside in Stoner Corner like I did many times. But, yeah, he had a moment, he picked up the bike, and, yeah, then I was on the grass, and I said, fuck, that's going to be hard to to first not t- crash, then not take anyone out. And finally, I made the corner, I, I made the apex, and I didn't lose any position. And then the same happened a uh, uh, second time with Toprak. Uh, we were in the three last laps, so it was really time to go uh, and try to overtake some guys to, to be in front because we had a really strong pace at the end of the race. Everyone was starting to, to, to struggle with the tire, and I was feeling really good. So I said, okay, again, same move. I go by a bit like, a bit faster into Stoner Corner than Toprak, and then I will uh, overtake him by the inside. But Going into Stoner Corner, his bike uh, stop. So you just pick up the bike, and I was outside. So I, that's, uh, in that moment, I really thought we were going to crash really hard together, you know? Yeah, I'm not surprised. Uh, and uh, it's a really fast corner, really windy. So I was really scared. And then, uh, and then I, uh, uh, yeah, I managed to go by his outside, but then I was on the grass, and I said, for sure, if I was staying, in that part of the grass, I couldn't slow down and I was taking out everyone. So I went on into the gravel to slow down and come back a bit uh, in a safer place. But yeah, I was lucky, but it was, uh, yeah, some, it was a really fun race. Just disappointed that this happened again in race two. We've been really unlucky, I think. And I don't like to, to say that, the, uh, to ask and to, to, to tell that the race is dependent on the luck because uh, I don't believe so much in luck. But in that race, like, uh, I don't know what, more I could have done. So yeah, for sure. A bit more luck next time will be welcome. Yeah. And apparently as well, we heard that uh, Top Rack's problem is because they had a fuel miscalculation. So he basically ran out of fuel and that's why the bike stopped. So that's a bit embarrassing for them as well. And it cost two Yamaha results because you had to go onto the grass. But I have to admit, I felt quite disappointed for you guys because I was really expecting you to be 
on the podium. And I think you could have easily been on the podium. And I think you would have been on the podium. But it must be very, very promising for everybody in the 10 Carter team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, um, I, I said that all, all, all winter. We did a great job with the bike, uh, developing some great parts yeah. and uh, just uh, working on our weakest one from last year. And we shown that, uh, like qualifying first lap, uh, start everything improve. Also, we really wanted to keep our strong points from last year, which was the pace. And I think we had this, one of the strongest pace all week in Australia. We just, yeah, couldn't show in the race, but for sure we showed everyone and everybody know that they have to count on us. Uh, the, the leading group was like six, seven guys, and then there was a big gap to the other one. And uh, we are we are in this uh, front group, so that's really, um, yeah, uh, from. Yeah, looking forward for the for the future because uh, uh, it's a, it's a really strong uh, uh, package that Tenkate and Yamaha give me. So I will try to 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 jump on the podium as soon as possible because we we have the, the definitely the pace to do it. And obviously, you've won two races in the past. You've finished on the podium fourteen times. So what was it like for you, Loris, to be back up there at the front of a motorcycle race, leading world champions, race winners, podium finishers? For you personally, it must have felt great. Yeah, it felt good, but honestly, I was just uh, really thinking about my race, what I have to do to win this one. Uh, I knew I had a good opportunity to win the race, but I just had to change the strategy because I, I told you we were nine or ten in the group, and both Honda were in the group, both Ducati, and that meant uh, I wasn't feeling so great when I was six, seven because I was in danger. So I just wanted to be in the front and try to pull the pace, and I, I would just have liked that someone attacked Johnny, like Michael, in that moment. To, to make the, the pace uh, uh, a bit higher and maybe we could be only three, four in the, in the, in the leading group. But uh, yeah, uh, Johnny, Johnny told me after the race, yeah, I was feeling sorry to overtake you only in the straight, but his tr- definitely his, his strategy was to slow down the pack and wait the two last laps. Uh, I knew I had a pace, I could put a stronger pace and even like this, have a great tire at the end of the race. And honestly, in the two last laps, I had a great tire. So uh, yeah, it felt great, but honestly, I wasn't. Um, yeah, I didn't care to lead the race. I just wanted to win the race. So uh, I was trying to do everything to to win that one. And Johnny said, didn't he, in his interviews as well? He said he, he didn't want to have to keep overtaking you on the straight like that. As he said to you, he said publicly in the interviews as well, which was quite nice of him. So, do you think it's fair to say the other riders could have tried a bit harder just to maybe put a few more moves on Johnny and stop him being able to control the race so much? Yeah, I was a bit surprised in that race too. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if many, because it was really warm. So I don't know if everybody was scared about the tire mm. or if everybody was, okay, we let Johnny. And like, if this is the case, it's a shame because uh, I felt like nobody wanted to attack him in that race. So uh, and they just wanted to wait there. But uh, maybe they were just uh, all really worried about the tire life. And, uh, and I wasn't at all. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, for sure, it was, uh, it was funny uh, to be in that race and to be the one uh, attacking Johnny and uh, trying to, 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 to go away. Uh, but, yeah, uh, at the moment, we still ride the 2019 engine. And we saw that uh, we still missed a bit of top speed. And, uh, yeah, it's what cost us uh, the, um, to, be, to be able to stay in front for two laps and try to go away. Uh, with two free guys, I think, because I think um, Johnny had the pace to follow anyway if I was going faster. Um, and maybe uh, maybe Alex couldn't follow also in race two. 
Uh, top rack, it seemed that he was a bit mm, struggling a bit more in race two than race one. But anyway, it was a strange race. Eh? Yeah. Like, uh, everyone was struggling a little bit. So, uh, but yeah, it was nice from from Johnny to say that after the race. And uh, but yeah, I'm happy that we shown everyone that uh, yeah, the, we are in front and we it's gonna be like this. Uh, I'm sure all season and they have to come on us and we we will try to to be um uh to be the the small team disturbing the big ones uh, in the superbike like uh, Fabio is doing with Petronas in, in GP. We want to we want to be that that team with ten K in superbike. Yeah, I think it's great, actually, from a neutral point of view, because that's very much the essence of World Superbikes, isn't it? If you look back through history, it's been some of the private teams really ruffling the feathers at times of the factory teams. What about the engine then, Loris? You and Ten Carter, are you expecting to receive a 2020 engine from Yamaha at some stage soon? Yeah, yeah, it's planned uh, to have the, the engine in Jerez. Uh, so, yeah, maybe for us it's better to have a Qatar delayed by the end of the season. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's because, true. Uh, it's not it's one of the fastest tracks. But I think then from Jerez, top speed will not be um, such an issue like uh, Australia or Qatar. But uh, for sure, it's better to have the new engine. We saw that it's, uh, it's again, a big step. Well, a small step compared to the other one, but uh, together with the great, Power delivery from the from the Yamaha. I'm sure. Yeah, we don't so much power, just a little bit to be able to stay in the uh, in front when we are in front, and use then the the, the good things from the Yamaha, which is the the really the torque, the easy engine in the lean angle. So yeah, looking forward to try this new engine. Have you been surprised by how quickly Toprak has adapted to the Yamaha? Because some people who you could say maybe should have known better were saying, oh, it's going to be difficult to adapt to that bike. It doesn't seem as though he's had any difficulties at all, really, generally speaking. No, I'm, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, um, he's, um, he's a good guy. He's not, uh, he, don't, he, he don't have the, like, the big head, like we mm. say. And, uh, he has he have a lot of talent and he's, he's working hard. So I was sure that he was going to find the, the key from the Yamaha, which is not such an hard bike. Eh? and looks really like uh, you have to ride this bike like a 600. So for a rider that likes the, the stop and go, it's not so easy. But top racks really used to love the 600 like I do and the corner speed. And that's what the Yamaha needs. So this, I, I was sure it was going to be fast on that bike. It may be even more natural for him to ride the Air 1 than the Kawasaki, actually. Well, I think that's great for us watching because it's always so exciting to see him at the front, isn't it? He's brilliant to watch. What about your starts, Loris? Yeah, and also he's one of, he's one of the top guys to battle yeah. with. Uh, yeah. He's the one I enjoy the most because... You can battle really hard with him, and he's never complaining. And uh, like, like I never do so much. Like even just if it's really hard, like I went to see Alex after race one and say, "Oh, that was close on the straight," and he said, "Oh, sorry, I'm not the place where I want to be aggressive." But we stop right. Like we had so many moments during uh, race one at the beginning, race two also, and uh, we were laughing about that after after <laughs> the race. So it's always cool. Yeah, we were saying that actually with uh, James Whittam in the commentary because watching Toprak, it feels like yes, he's really strong and really aggressive, but he seems very very fair. He never makes contact with people. He seems to leave you space, but still hard racing, but fair. Yeah, yeah, it's fair, but it's really, yeah, it's aggressive. Like, but like Scott yeah. said, uh, Superbike is, uh, is pretty aggressive. We, 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 we always make hard moves. Eh? So, but it, this is cool, you know, it's in the corner. It's not coming from behind. Uh, I never seen Toprak hitting my rear wheel. Like when it comes, it's always side by side. So that's like, like a yeah. clean. And, but some, many riders complain about that. And Toprak is not the kind of guy to complain about that. 
and uh, and I'm not Ada. And so yeah, it's I really like to battle with top bags. Always did. Just two more quick things, Loris. One of them, um, as we move towards the end of the interview, let's talk about the start of the race because this is something you and Ten Carter struggled with, isn't it? At the end of last year, we saw you losing a lot of positions off the grid in Qatar in particular. What can you improve with that? I guess it's electronic strategy, but are you expecting some improvements with the starts? Honestly, at the moment, no. I think we did a great job. And if you look, Australia have been gaining position uh, on the start. Yeah. And uh, last year, we were losing... Uh, when when the start was good, we were losing one row. So yeah, I think we've been improving a lot. Yeah. We have more um, open issues, so we can pl- play on more uh, m- more details like the factory team do. And uh, and yeah, it's together with my weight and my eight. Yeah, we've been improving a lot, and I think now we are strong on this point. So I'm really happy with that. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't win the race at the start but you can easily yeah. lose it so it's uh, it's cool to have uh, like a strong package to start like the others and and keep at least your position oh that's really good news and that's perfect news for everyone watching because we want to see that Tenkati Yamaha up there and we know you can do it but what about Jerez now because obviously some people are saying Phillip Island is always a crazy race there's always action but I get the feeling this year it, it is a bit different and I think we're going to see more riders in the mix at other tracks what do you think yeah, honestly, I, I, yeah, Australia. It's always strange because everybody's worried about the tire life. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think we've been fast in the winter test in Hairs. We are fast in Portimao. Uh, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to for this to start because I think we can be we can be even stronger and uh, and and closer to the front in Hairs and uh, with less people uh, there because um, not so many people worry about the, the tire life. You know. So, uh, yeah, for sure, L- really looking forward for her, for her. And you think other people can challenge the Kawasaki this year or are they still the guys to be after round one? Yeah, I don't know. I think, we, yeah, I think Yamaha has never been that close to the to the um, factory guys. Also, Scott is there. I think Charles will be back also when he's in Europe. So it's going to be a cool year for sure. Yeah, as I said, really looking forward to it. And I'm sure we have uh, one of the best package with uh, the Air One. Uh, it's a fantastic bike and I really enjoy riding it. And uh, uh, for myself, I have one of the best team behind me. I never felt so good in the team. So really, really looking forward for this season and uh, can't wait to bring them back on the podium where they deserve to be. Yeah, me too. Loris, thanks very much. Amazing saves, amazing riding in Australia. I know you've got to get off to a birthday party now, so I'll let you go and I'll speak to you very soon. Hopefully, I'll see you in Jerez. Yeah, sure. I hope so. I hope so. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Many thanks again then to the Frenchman Loris Baz. Really promising start to the season in Australia for himself and the 10 Carter Racing Team, who, of course, in their Honda days, won the World Superbike title with James Toesland back in 2007. Loris himself, twice a World Superbike race winner, both times, incidentally, at Silverstone in consecutive years, 2012 and 2013, with the Kawasaki Racing Team. So that's the latest from World Superbikes. What about MotoGP? The race, of course, for the Premier Class was cancelled this weekend in Qatar because of coronavirus restrictions. And incidentally, while we've been recording this podcast, further bulletins going out in the news that there are massive restrictions until April for those in northern Italy. The Lombardy region, which, of course, includes Milan, 
How is that going to affect things moving forward for the Bike Racing World Championships? Time will tell. But in the meantime, we have had Grand Prix action at the LaSalle International Circuit out in Doha this past weekend. The Moto3 season kicked off with a 100th Grand Prix victory for KTM as one of the nicest guys in the paddock. Number 75, Albert Arenas, the Catalan rider, came through to victory. Now, we know that Moto3 with usually 14 riders or so in that leading group, sometimes even more, is all about slipstream. But what a great run to the line it was for Albert Arenas. A stunning final lap, a very, very impressive last couple of corners to be able to get out of that last corner and avoid being overtaken by the man in second position, John McPhee of Scotland with the Petronas Sprinter Honda. Great performance by John, missing out on the victory by just 53 thousandths of a second as I Ogura for Honda Team Asia, also on a Honda, completed the podium. So Arenas, McPhee, Ogura, one, two, three in the race. And of course, also in the Moto3 World Championship moving on to their next round. But the next round, not for another month. MotoGP itself delayed for one month the start of their season until Austin, Texas, with the tie round, which should have been in a couple of weeks' time, delayed until later in the season. That fits into pretty much where it was last year now, after the Aragon Grand Prix and just before the traditional triple header of Japan, Australia and Malaysia. So that's really affected the dates later on in the year. And as a result of fitting Thailand in that gap, Aragon has been brought forward very slightly. So Arenas McPhee, Ogura in Moto3 and a really, really emotional affair for Moto2 as the Triumph engines fired into action for their second season as the sole engine supplier in the intermediate class of Grand Prix racing. Tetsuta Nagashima from 14th on the grid. As far as I can see, nobody tipped him for victory out in Qatar, coming through from 14th and 10 years on from the start of the Moto2 class, when he, of course, took over in 2010 from the 250cc category. That was Shoya Tomizawa, who won that first ever Moto2 race in Qatar a decade ago. And of course, he tragically lost his life in a dreadful accident at Mizano later that season. So how appropriate in many ways that the first intermediate Grand Prix of the decade should be won by Tetsuta Nagashima, his Japanese countryman. Absolutely superb for Nagashima. Also, his first podium in Grand Prix racing. And I remember being at Silverstone back in 2014 when he had a terrible leg-breaking accident there. So that's just one of the many obstacles he's had to overcome over the years. Nagashima winning two glorious final laps, the way he dictated the pace and saved his tyre, as others, notably Luca Marini, who led in the early stages, dropped back with the tyre having gone off by the looks of things. And then, at the time, a controversial last corner collision between himself and Jake Dixon. I'm pleased to say that one's been put down to a racing incident. That's exactly how it looked. It looked to me as though Dixon's left boot actually clipped the front brake lever of Luca Marini. Either way, Marini went down. I'm hearing that both men are absolutely okay, but of course, not okay in terms of no world championship points for Valentino Rossi's half-brother, Luca Marini. What a shame for him down and out at the very last corner of the Grand Prix. Nagashima winning then by a sizable 1.3 seconds in the end for Red Bull KTM IO. Although it's KTM by name, it's not KTM by nature. Remember, they're not running a full factory team in Moto2 this year. It's a Calex chassis, and indeed it was a Calex 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 with the first speed up of Jorge Navarro 
in sixth position. Notable performance by Remy Gardner. I think it has to be said with last year's bike, fifth for him. But it was Nagashima winning from Lorenzo Baldassari on the Flexbox HP40 machine. And then the Italtrans bike of the beast himself, Enea Bastianini. Great Moto3 rider and a great Moto2 rider as well. He completed the podium and therefore completes the top three in the championship with Joe Roberts, the American backed all the way by former MotoGP podium finisher and former BSB race winner and championship runner-up of 2011, John Hopkins. Great to see John on good form, supporting Joe Roberts, who qualified on pole position on Saturday, coming through to finish fourth for American Racing in the opening Grand Prix of the season on Sunday. So we've got some Grand Prix racing underway at least, Moto3 and Moto2. And watch out once again this year, for all of the highlights on the Quest channel. MotoGP highlights on the Quest channel across this season once again. That's all then for now from the Full Throttle podcast. Many thanks from me, Greg Haynes, and also thanks again from us to Loris Baz for the interview earlier on. We will be back next Monday, the 16th of March, 2020, for our latest episode in this third season. We'll speak to you then. And don't forget, please subscribe if you can with your favorite podcast suppliers, whichever one that may be. We'll speak to you next week. Let's see what happens with this coronavirus situation. Good luck, everybody. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.